How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law, Thomas McCoy, and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe Show. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. No no frog in the throat. No, no. I did my voice exercises before uh, we opened tonight. You and it, it shows New York, unique New York. You, that's good. Does it show or can I hear? It? I guess both. It's great. Yeah. So, so you've been on Zoom all day. You told me, huh? Yeah. So we did some uh, continuing education. We back to back. We do. We kind of uh, overbooked a little bit today on the Zoom. A little Zoom fatigue, but it's all good. Zoom, a Zoom, a Zoom. You know. It's all right. good. And and I just I want to point out the, the other wonderful thing that you've done for the community here with uh, the Christmas giving and collecting all the toys for kids. And that was a really wonderful thing you did, Mark Styles of Styles Law. Oh, thank you, Dr. Joe. And thank you for participating and donating to the uh, those teenagers, you know, those ones that get overlooked a little bit around this time of year. Yeah. So how'd you do? We what did you great. distribute? Yeah, they, they, uh, the team brought everything up into Boston uh, yesterday, and it was a lot. It was a huge outpouring because... <laughs> The folks at ATD were great. They, uh, Audrey was talking about it during their mid mid morning show, and um, you know uh, Rob talked about it a little bit in the morning shows, and it was it was really good. It was a nice outpouring, and and you know what was uh, interesting? We um, we tried a new strategy this year, which was just order it on Amazon, and here's our address. And a lot of people drop shipped it right to us, so they didn't even uh, go to the store and bring it over to the office they simply said you know what i'm shopping for my kids i'll shop for someone else's kids too i think that's that's really great and that that's the community spirit i must say it was wonderful going over to drop off what i dropped off personally to see the christmas tree there and all the gifts and your staff just so enthusiastic about it so Thank you very much for, for all you're doing for the community. Oh, thank, thank you for recognizing it. Uh, you know, we've got a lot of really awesome human beings on our team. And uh, one of the things they did this year, which was really interesting, is they put out a little snack bar for the delivery people, which I thought was fun. And yeah. it's funny because a lot of people walk by there and, you know, it's uh, it was off limits for anybody unless you were a delivery person. And you could tell the people would walk by and look at it. There's nice Oreo cookies. There was Fritos, there was water and it was setting out there, but the sign was very clear. You know, we want to thank you all for doing what you all are doing and people respected it. And they walked past and didn't take any of the cookies or anything. Oh, um, oh, well, not, yeah. <laughs> not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, just don't, don't, don't tell Carol. I did take another butter. Cause uh, you know. Um, and I, and I just Megan. don't tell Megan is who we can't tell. All right. Well, she didn't mind anyway. So we are going to shift gears a bit though, because Christmas spirit is important, but there's always so much to be grateful for as well. And gratitude is certainly a part of what our guest is going to be talking about as she lets us know about her own experience, which is powerful. So Mark, could you please introduce our guest for tonight? Absolutely. Dr. Joe. Kelly Scalotta 
is the founder and CEO of KS Consulting and Capital. She is a recognized authority on consumer brand marketing, whose business book, Too Busy to Shop, Marketing to Multi-Minding Women, was named a must-read by Publishers Weekly. She has been named one of the most influential business uh, influential women in business by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. Kelly was the healthiest person she knew until the day she became a cancer patient. During her first routine colonoscopy, Kelly received a shocking diagnosis, colon cancer. Three years later, her new book reveals how stories can be powerful motivators and how painful distraction can be turned into advocacy and action. Based on a true story of her cancer journey, a way back to health, reveals surprising lessons that pave the way for her recovery. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thank you, Mark. And I wish you could do every intro for me because <laughs> I love the way you do it. So thank uh, you. It's, well, thank it's you. nice of you to have me. And thank you, Dr. Joe, for having me on the show. Well, we are, we are so honored and pleased to have you here, Kelly. Let's just, if we can, just jump right into it. Sure. I mean, the book, you know about marketing and and too busy to shop pales i must say by by this book not that the other book isn't great folks you should get it too but tell us about this story what happened yeah it was a yeah it's been a crazy journey um and one that i never expected to be on when i wrote my first book i always thought i had another book in me but i never suspected that it would be on the topic of cancer so all of this is as much a surprise to me as it is to anyone. But um, as Mark mentioned in his intro, uh, a little bit over three years ago, I went in for my very first routine uh, screening colonoscopy. By the way, they have changed the guidelines now from 50 to 45. So if anyone is you know, in that age group, it is time to go get screened. But I went in for my first screening. And um, as I was coming out of the haze of the anesthesia, I could hear... Um, the doctor talking about go see an oncologist and was talking with my husband and my mom. And I, it really wasn't, you know, kind of landing yet. And as I came out of it, I realized she was talking about me and that they had found a polyp um, and it was sizable. And she thought that it was likely that it was uh, cancerous. And so one day I was the healthiest person I knew. I mean, honestly, I'm the type of person who, you know, works out and eats right and exercises and, um, you know, kind of does all the right things. And have, I've done, done that my entire life. And then the next, the next day you kind of wake up and you're thrust into this world of, uh, cancer and cancer treatment. Um, so when that happened, it's, you know, it's a scary, and for me, I'm a private person. So it was a very kind of personal thing and I was in a state of shock. Um, so I really kind of kept things to myself, um, and I ended up needing a serious surgery called a colectomy, where they remove a pretty large portion of your colon. And during that process, they felt like they had um, done a good job of, of getting the cancer in the colon. But when they took lymph node samples, which is what they typically do in this case, um, they oversampled and they uh, took 26 lymph nodes and found something suspicious in one. And so they recommended that I um, go through a course of chemo. So, um, you know, the, the surgery uh, was tough, but um, got through it. Um, when I started along my, uh, into chemo, that was really what um, 
was especially tough. I mean, it's, you hear it, you see it when people are going through it, but when you, when you feel firsthand what it does to your body and to your mind and how um, depleting it is, that's when I kind of, that's when I started to feel like I needed to tell people what was going on. Um, and when I started to share the story um, of what was going on, people started saying things to me like, oh, well, I better go get screened or I better go tell my mom or my sister or my aunt um, they need to get screened or, um, you know, I've been meaning to follow up on that appointment and I should do that. And so I just was getting this steady drumbeat of, um, of feedback like that when I would share my story. And it made me think, wow, you know, just telling your story can be a really powerful motivator and kind of, you know, tuck that in the back of my mind. As I went along through the rest of my journey, um, I'm a writer by trade. I'm a marketing person. So I kind of took notes and just, you know, kind of captured feelings. And when it all, when I got to the end, I thought, you know, I really think there's something here that could help other people. So um, I started to put it together in book form and invite other stories. And lo and behold, um, the publisher thought there was something there too. And so we put it together um, in a book that's really meant to um, be a guide for people who are either going through a serious health problem or caregivers or family of, of those and um, help people in very small ways. Dr. Joe, I know you're very big about kind of small things making big differences. And mm -hmm. I found that to be very true in my journey. Yeah. And, and really, I mean, what a small change with such a big impact where you go in for a routine colonoscopy and all of a sudden this small change uh, and you find something like this. I can only imagine that there must be many, many people, many of our listeners out there who can relate to this moment where you learn what, what really is a life-changing piece of information. Can you just talk a little bit about that moment, what that really was like for you? And, and you're right, Dr. Joe. I'm sure there, there are millions of people who go through what I did. Um, and in fact, when I was in the chemo center or when I was collecting stories for this book, I almost felt like I had it easy. I mean, there are so many people who have really um, hard, hard experiences with cancer. Um, but that moment is um, when, when someone tells you you have cancer, um, it's hard. It's really hard. And um, Kelly, I'm, I'm going to just stop you for a moment. No, no, I can, no. It, I can, no, I can it's hear okay. you getting teary. It, so. It's okay. Um, it's just, um, it scares you like nothing else. Um, you know, when you think of fear and you think of, I don't know, you go on a roller coaster or you think of, um, you, you know, cut your finger and you have to go to the ER. Um, but when that word is used, when it's you or, or when it's a loved one, um, it's really, really scary. You know, I found that there was like, there was nothing like that fear that was associated with that. And part of the reason why I wrote, wrote the book, I think was to try and kind of gain some control over that. Um, but also when I felt like I started taking some action, whether that, that action was educating myself, um, asking the right questions, taking someone along with me to a doctor's appointment, 
gathering my medical records in one place so I could be in control of it, um, speaking up for myself, uh, all very small things. But in some total, when you do those things, at least for me, it started to give me more of a sense of control over what was happening. And it's, it helped to alleviate that fear. But um, in that moment, it is, it is really scary. Powerful, powerful moment, it must be. Um, Towards the end of the show, we're, we're going to be asking you to, uh, to give some advice to people. But I'm wondering whether we could do that right at this moment. Sure. For, for people who are listening mm-hmm. and who have been through this, what small change could you offer to them of that moment? Um, the book is full of um, a lot of small changes, Doctor Joe, because I think the really small, like you, small th- things that small things that you can do can have really big effect. Um, for me, um, there were a couple of things that really kind of rose to the top. Um, doing my research. Now, in that moment, I wasn't able to do research, but very soon thereafter, I was. And a lot of people will say, don't Google your illness. Well, I'm a big fan of Googling my illness and understanding everything that I could um, because I really think that that knowledge um, served me and ended up being very powerful. Um, One of the first things I did after my uh, diagnosis was get a second opinion. Um, when you're being told you have to go through some pretty arduous treatment, um, a lot of people I find kind of just do it, right? Um, And medical professionals know a lot, um, but it serves you well to get a second opinion. There's a lot of science behind that. As I was researching my book, I found out that, in fact, um, oftentimes diagnoses change, Um, And oftentimes, if you get a second opinion as a patient, you feel more comfortable about the decision that you've made. And in my case, um, I thought that I went with the the second opinion doctor and uh, was very happy with that decision. Um, Soon after that moment, although it took a while, I think, for me to start to really look for miracles again in my daily life. um, But after you're told you have cancer... Really simple things take on um, major significance. So just when I went through chemo, for instance, um, my taste was altered. um, I got massive blisters on my feet. um, I lost about 12% of my body weight. um, My digestive system was in complete turmoil. I had... um, cold neuropathy in my hands and feet. So I literally couldn't put my hand into the refrigerator to pack a lunch for my daughter. Um, Going into the grocery store, I had to wear a hat and gloves. Um, You know, so when you're going through things like that, and I had never, I was such a healthy person. I'd never had to deal with that before. Um, I found myself starting to be grateful for being able to taste a cup of coffee and it tasted normal. And in fact, um, to this day, three years later, um, I get up, I make my coffee, I sit on the floor of my kitchen, one of my three cats comes over, I rub her belly, and I put on a 12-minute gratitude meditation, and Mm -hmm. that's the way I start my day. Um, I really have an appreciation for, you know, green leaves on trees and pretty flowers and butterflies and and cats. (laughs) So... 
um, you know, really appreciating the simple things in life. Um, it, it comes through, came through loud and clear for me. So, um, you know, when, when you are in that scary time, um, it's also very hard to speak up. And when you're not physically or mentally feeling well, it's really easy, I think, to shut down. And I did that for a period of time until I um, found myself on my kitchen floor and almost unable to get up off the floor because the chemo had so ravaged my body. And um, I had been talking to the doctor's office saying, no, I'm, I'm really sick, really sick. And they said, well, that's to be expected. Well, as it turned out, um, my symptoms were actually at about 99% of the bell curve. And I was exceptionally sick and um, I needed to take a break. So I actually had to come off of the chemo for a period of time until my body could heal enough to accept um, the treatment again. And that's where I think something simple like trusting your instincts come into play. You know, I've always been someone who trusted my instincts, whether that's in business, with my family. Um, but when you're sick, you second guess yourself, you doubt, you um, think that medical professionals know more than you do, but only you know yourself best. And um, as I did research for the book, what I found out was that um, if you treat yourself more like a part of your medical team, not just a patient, then um, you work in conjunction with your medical team and end up getting some better treatment. So it took me to be in a pretty dire circumstance before my instincts. I, I allowed myself to trust my instincts again, but I finally did. And I feel like that was really a turning point in my healing. Such an important point for people to hear. What, one of the things that I tell patients and their parents is never let anyone tell you that you are not the expert in yourself or your kid because you are the expert. People like me, we're just the professionals. But the most important person is you, Kelly. You, the person who is experiencing who else can tell us what it is like to be you other than you? Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, we put a lot of faith in medicine. I'm glad we do. But uh, that doesn't take away the faith that one should have in oneself. And the gratitude is so important. It's such a, it's crazy to think that these awful things can happen. And yet, as you say, every day, it's a miracle. There's a blessing mm -hmm. in everything. And, and you, you found that there were certain symbols that became part of, of your journey. Can we talk a little bit about the symbols that you found? Yeah. Um, at, at some point, um, butterflies became very important as kind of guideposts for me in my journey. And I started seeing them um, in all kinds of unusual places that might you might think are odd, but started to give me guidance. So I'll give you an example. I was um, really kind of wrestling between two surgeons and I had interviewed one and I was at the second. And again, this is just within, you know, a couple of weeks of me being diagnosed. And I went to get the second opinion and my mom and I were standing in the line at the Starbucks at the hospital. And there was a um, nurse in front of us who had on a, a surgical cap. And there were butterflies all over that surgical cap. And my mom knew that I was kind of looking to butterflies as, um, you know, a guide for me. And um, she turned around and said to me, 
and she's an, she was an OR nurse her entire life. She said, I've never seen a surgical cap with butterflies on it like that. And so going into that doctor's appointment, even though I was interviewing the surgeon, ask, I had my list of questions, um, I was looking for you know hardcore information, knowing that that butterfly cap was there ahead of me gave me some degree of comfort that I was headed in the right direction. Um, another example, I um, during this time, I had to have all kinds of scans, and I had um, want a, a scan, and they thought I had also had cancer in uh, either my lung or my breast. So I went to um, my gynecologist, um, and when I went into her office, they have all kinds of pictures in this office that are Greek in nature, very pretty. But when I went into the room where she was to examine me, there was just this butterfly cut out and stuck on the wall. It ran totally randomly. In fact, I took a picture of it. I still have it in my camera roll. And so while I was thinking about, are you kidding me? Do I now have lung or breast cancer? There was a butterfly on the wall and I thought, I don't, it's fine. Mm -hmm. And as it turned out, that was the case. Um, in fact, I so I still look for butterflies. When I see them, I know, I know God is speaking to me in some way. I've even started um, raising monarch butterflies. Um, whenever we get caterpillars in the in the summer here, I gather them up and kind of give them a habitat. And then I give this this past year we gave birth to thirteen um, monarch cater or monarch butterflies. So it's just um, for me, I found that to be a really important symbol. And when I saw it, I knew things would be okay. Um, and I've heard other people talk about other types of, of symbols. Um, but I, I, I believe that those were some type of sign for me. And if I was paying attention to them, um, they would lead me in the right direction. It is, it is uh, remarkable the way we get guided by things. If we can see it, I mean, Pasteur said, you know, you have to have a trained eye to see. You have to have the willingness to see these things. But folks, it's, it's a great book. First of all, how do people uh, get the book? A Way Back to Health, 12 Lessons from a Cancer Survivor. How can people get it? Uh, lots of ways, thank goodness. Um, Amazon uh, is probably the easiest, Dr. Joe. Um, in fact, it was named one of Amazon's hot new releases in cancer last week. So um, sounds like it's helping, um, you know, quite a few people. And um, on, on lots of online booksellers. So it, it's pretty widely available. And if someone would like to know more, post this show. Um, the, the website, awaybacktohealth.com is also there for people to find out more. Great, awaybacktohealth.com. Because there may be people listening who really have more questions and uh, who, who need more support. You guys can support each other through this really scary, scary moment you know we were talking a little bit offline about about the i am approach because the i am is saying we're always doing the best we can and i think this is this is one of the biggest struggles for folks is what, what, what happens with cancer how can cancer be an i am but if you think about it this is just the biological domain something has changed and now we do another change in that biological domain to try to get those cells to come back online in a way that isn't just reproducing without any limit to it. 
with with the instinct it's important we talked about you know you're the expert in this the gratitude but then the research that you do i mean knowledge is power Mm -hmm. how do you tease apart some of the things that are online and you know that may or may not be something you want to follow because you 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 give folks let me just back a bit the book is great because at the end of each chapter, there are these action steps to take uh, in, in each chapter, which I think is so important. But how about the research part? Yeah. Um, I know that I had always been heard or told, you know, don't research your illness. Don't Google it. It will just scare you. And um, there are scary things out there, I guess, if you start digging in. But um, I'm someone who's a researcher. Um, I'm, you know, I'm a writer. Um, I like to know what the facts and data are. And so I did really dig in and try and find information from the most credible of sources. So you do see um, kind of weird things out there, but um, I always tried to look for sources that were um, reputable and, um, you know, based on, on fake facts and data. Uh, And there are plenty of them. So I started trying to piece things together by looking at reputable sources of information. I also started just talking to people. Um, So for instance, um, when I went in for surgery and even throughout my entire journey, I I didn't want um, certain drugs in my, so I didn't want opioids at all. Um, And so I was able to talk to the lead anesthesiologist prior to my surgery and talk about those kinds of things. Um, So being able to talk to experts um, as well before you go through whatever it is you're going through and express what your personal concerns are is a way of doing research too. So I was able to really dig in um, with people, with nurses, with doctors, um, as well as do my research um, and then talk to other uh, people who were in similar situations to me. Um, I had a very good friend and client at the time, and she had gone through um, breast cancer. And she had so many great resources um, and just kind of anecdotes from her personal experience that really helped me. So um, all along the way, I really just tried to uncover more and more information. And the more information I had, the better I felt, the more in control I felt. And I think that helped with my healing. In fact, I would go into several appointments and I had residents at the hospital ask me what field of medicine I was in um, because I was very prepared with written down questions, with data, with um, information, you know, armed with information. They actually thought that I was, you know, I worked in the medical profession, which I don't. So, um, you know, all of those things really helped. And I share a lot of that information in the book too. So that if someone is interested in how do I go about researching, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a prolific researcher, some simple steps in there. Yeah. And and, and Mark, doesn't this fit exactly with your philosophy? It is better to be proactive than reactive. Yeah. And that's the whole concept of, of, you know, getting that initial scan and that test as well. But, but I love the, the sharing component of it you know the more information that's out there that people can absorb the better you know and that those shared experiences they they can't be replicated they're they're so valuable so i'm I'm excited to read this book 
and, and that's part of what you bring in as well are, are, are other people's stories right you know stories are so powerful how did you how did you connect with those people you know that's a great question um and this is a story uh line unto itself so i started to put the book together with my story um and i was working with a terrific editor and she said um you know this book would be even better if you invited other viewpoints because some people may resonate with your viewpoint, some may not. Um, but if you round it out with other stories, I bet it, it will make it even better. So um, I reached out through my um, social media channels and said, I'm looking for people to share your stories. And I set up kind of a little microsite and asked people if they would want to contribute. And friends started to connect me with you know people all across the country who wanted to share their story. So after just a few weeks of time, I was connected with dozens of people who said, yes, I'd love to be able to share something. In fact, there was one woman in particular, Andrea, who I had worked with throughout the years. I knew she was a breast cancer survivor, really, really smart gal. Um, she contributed a story that had never really crossed my radar. And that was really about the financial implications of having cancer. And um, I thought, you know, that is so true. That did happen to me. And it, it was something that I never even explored. But the idea that when you have cancer, you get envelope, start getting envelopes with bills that are, you know, tens, <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars. And on top of being sick and having to go through chemo and deal with everything else, you get the stacks. I mean, stacks like this of bills. Um and her advice was she met with a financial counselor at um, the clinic where she had treatment, and they said, this will all fall into place in due time. Take those bills and put them aside. Get yourself healed, and then the financial part will be figured out. Um, and, you know, I, I feel very blessed. I have, um, you know, we have good health insurance. But even with that and even being educated, those bills sitting on your desk, oh my gosh, it's you know such an added burden and it's hundreds of thousands of dollars of bills. So um, that was a really important dimension that I had not even thought of covering and Andrea raised it and I included it in the book. Um, so there were lo you know lots of stories um, that kind of dovetailed with mine and then there were others like Andrea who brought really new dimensions to the book. And, and for people to know that they are not alone in this mm -hmm. as well. And that, that was another part that I felt bringing in the stories of others was so important because, you know, one of the things, you should never worry alone. There's always somebody there you can worry with, always. Uh, and, and who were those people for you? Um, well, my um, husband and mom were at my side um, every step of the way, especially during important doctor's appointments. My kids were so great because they were very nonchalant about everything. You know, it was just like, okay, this will come and go. And, um, and they're still that way, um, which was great to have that um, being grounded with such normalcy. Um, I have a nephew who has Down syndrome, and he has spent a lot of time in hospitals. He went with me to almost every one of my chemo infusions because he gets infusions every month, and he knew the drill, and his Aunt Kelly didn't. And so he would go with me, and he would sit there on his, um, you know, his device, his gaming device, and I would get my infusion and work. And he just sat there quiet, with quiet strength, 
Um, and then I had these wonderful girlfriends who, um, you know, I love to cook and I'm all about, I get up every morning and say to my kids, what are we going to have for dinner? And I, I couldn't eat and I really couldn't cook. And that was, uh, hard for me as a mom and a person. Um, but I had these wonderful girlfriends who would just show up, um, and bring dinner or mail some, you know, something different in the mail. And when you, when you're getting chemo, um, and your taste buds are so off, everything that you really liked, you hate. So someone would bring me something Mm. completely different that I would never make. And it was wonderful. Um, because I was, you know, tasting something different. Um, so, um, I had one girlfriend, in fact, she was my, um, college roommate. She sent my husband a package of magnetic butterflies. And so I would walk around the house and there would be these butterflies that would just pop up and they weren't there the day before, but then they'd be on the screen door. Even just now, I swear I walked through my house the other day and I saw a butterfly I'd never noticed before. So, um, did your, did your friend, did your friend know that this was a symbol for you? She did. I love that. It's wonderful. It's great. So, um, yes, very blessed to be surrounded by some great, a wonderful family and great, great friends. And, um, they were people who, you know, saw it firsthand and would listen and, um, and be really helpful. Yeah. You know, one of my phrases is I've worked hard to be this lucky. Um, my guess is it was the same with you because this was a lot of hard work that you were doing. Yes. And to have all these people around you, it's, it's not a coincidence. It, not a it's coincidence. not. It's not. Um, I, but it's also, it was very, un, it was uncomfortable for me because uh, Dr. Joe, I was always the person who took care of everyone else, right? So if someone needed whatever, food, money, a ride, an internship, well, no, I tried to do whatever I could do. So I suppose it's not, you know, it's not a coincidence that um, those people, when I was in that situation, were so giving. But I also felt almost embarrassed. Like I, I didn't want to at first accept someone making me a meal or like, I can't take care of my family. Um, it was hard. Um, but I got over it and um, I was really grateful for it. But that's also another unexpected twist and turn of having cancer because you know you are going to be relying on other people and for some people that is really hard to do with our own ego with our own self-image that we should be the strong one we should be the one who's in charge the one who's helping others and then it turns way back to health 12 lessons from a cancer survivor um the resilience is remarkable and i mean i know that there was a whole chapter about really like dumb things people say i hope that that wasn't (laughs) one of them Um, but boy some people can can you just give us one or two of those what were some of the like really dumb things that that people said to you and then we're going to get into something about speaking up oh people say things you know they come up and ask if you're going to lose your hair or you know how does it uh, how does it feel to have cancer or um, are, are your kids afraid? I mean, just things that like, um, just, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. but, but, but I guess there's some psychology, you would know this best. There's some psychology to that, right? People say things because 
like that because they're trying to distance themselves from a situation that feels uncomfortable. So, you know, I tried to let a lot of that just kind of go. It's harder when those people are real close to you, um, mm -hmm. but you know, it happens. Yeah. Um, one of the other chapters was about speaking up and how important that is. But I was curious, the other side, why don't people speak up? Yeah, I looked into that um, pretty extensively because even myself, I did not speak up for myself as much as I should have at the beginning. I got myself to the point where I barely could speak up before I really found the, you know, the strength to muster and say, I have to talk to this doctor now. Um, and as I mentioned, that's when things turned. But, you know, as I was researching the book, I wondered the same thing. You know, if I didn't speak up for myself, it was kind of fear. It was lack of energy. Um, it was, um, you know, you're so focused on other things. But when I started to do the research, I found that there were actually a, a couple of things at work. Um, people in our culture are very vocal about expressing opinions about many things, but health is something that scares people. Um, a lot of people are still taught to believe that doctors know best and that what they think or feel um, should be second to what the medical professional says. Um, there is a lot of just real fear. Um, you know, you're so kind of um, paralyzed by the situation that you, you can't process or think, right? Um, I found out that, you know, um, uh, literacy actually has something to do with it, too. And just understanding medical terminology um, is, is a hurdle for some people. Um, a lot of people just feel like they don't know even what to ask or where to start. And so they just kind of take it in and then they leave the office. And they realized they they didn't know anything um, that that was being to told to them. A lot of people don't have advocates with them, um, so they're trying to take it in themselves. They come in and they're unprepared. So you know a whole um, a whole bunch of reasons why people not don't end up speaking up for themselves. But what my research also showed was that when you do, um, your outcomes can actually be better. So that when People think of themselves as part of the care team and not just as the patient that um, you, you actually can get better care and have better outcomes. So um, it's a tough one, uh, but I think it's probably the most important. Did you ever find doctors resistant to the questions and speaking up for yourself? Um, yes. Now, with some, yes. I think when I told some that I was going to get a second opinion, and this is another thing, I think people are afraid to insult a doctor, which, okay, we're, we're all humans. No one wants to insult. I don't want to insult anyone. Um, but yes, I think people don't want to insult doctors. And there, there were some that would give me kind of that look like, oh, okay. And then others who said, you know what? Do it. That's a great thing. Um, I... Uh, found that when I, I have kind of a, my silver bullet question when I was kind of interviewing doctors was, will you give me your cell phone number? And uh, one physician didn't, and one physician said that he would, and that's actually the physician I ended up going with. So, um, you know, kind of speaking up, saying, I, you know, I want access to you whenever I need it um, was, was something that was very helpful to me. Personally, I, I always encourage people, if they want to get a second opinion, they absolutely should, because 
And it's selfish. I must admit it's selfish because I can't lose if somebody gets a second opinion. If I am wrong, then the patient does better. I get to make an adjustment in whatever the plan is with the second opinion. If the second opinion confirms everything that I've said, then the patient has more trust and faith in me. So yeah. it's a win-win. Uh, and I, and I, hope, I hope all my physician uh, and colleagues in medicine hear that, that it is absolutely one of the best things that you can encourage your patients to do is to get a second opinion if they're concerned. The only thing it will do is build trust. And that is really the bottle of medicine. It's about the trust. Um, were there were there certain questions that, I mean, there's there's a long list, but if you could, I hate to put you in this position, but if you could pick like the top two or three questions in regard to the cancer component that, that a patient should ask, what do you think that should be? Um. You, you want to, I mean, for me, I wanted to know that I was going to get care and attention. And that's why the cell phone question for me was, um, was very important. I have found that everyone had, everyone I've talked to seems to have a really one important, really important question. So figure out what it is for you. If it's, if it's you and make sure you ask it, um, certainly, um, course of treatment, you know, what, what they're recommending so that you can kind of compare and contrast, um, for me, also uh, drugs, you know, what, what kinds of drugs and what, um, what are the side effects for those drugs? Um, I was someone who didn't like to take drugs to counteract side effects from drugs. And so I tried to do things that were uh, more natural and holistic and use nutrition um, as much as I could. So I asked about those kinds of things, you know, what could I use to treat myself and those symptoms um, interestingly enough, a lot of medical doctors don't study nutrition. And so I had to seek the help of an integrative medicine specialist and then just do a lot of my own research on nutrition as healing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is unfortunate that even in medical school these days, uh, we don't focus enough on, on some of the basic components of, of nature and its effect on human beings. Right. With, with that in mind, you know, we, the Dr. Joe show is based on the I am approach, the idea that mm-hmm. we're always doing the best we can. We are at a maximum current potential influenced by four domains, your home, the social domain, the biological domain, and your I see how I see myself, how I think other people see me. And we've been talking a lot about the interaction of those and how you navigate it through this horrendous life threatening experience but because the four domains interconnect we've spoken a little bit about this small changes can have big effects you don't need to change everything as a cancer survivor what small change can you recommend to our listeners so they can manage this life-changing news yeah um for me one of the most important things was being really cognizant and taking the time to practice gratitude. And we talked about that, but just um, saying out loud, you know, thank you for putting my feet on the ground this morning. Thank you for being able to taste this great cup of coffee, like really small things that you would almost always take for granted. Making sure you take a, take a second to call that out has a really profound effect. So, you know, those, those are two, 
two small, two things that I personally would do, but, um, it's hard to focus on those things when you're sick, but if you do it, I think it can have a very significant effect. Yeah. So, so be appreciative, the gratitude of being in this moment, even if there's a life-threatening component to it, mm-hmm. even more so perhaps, uh, it would be nice if we all could do that, you know, to just be grateful for what we have, because we have a lot, even though it might not seem it all the time. The other rule, the truth of the I am, you control no one, you influence everyone. Mm-hmm. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. Kelly, what kind of influence are you hoping to be? Well, in this case, um, Dr. Joe, I'm hoping it can influence people to get screened. So, um, you know, if you've been waiting to do that, if you know someone who's been waiting to do that, um, now's the time to do it. So I'd encourage anyone um, to go ahead and get active and, and get screened for whatever it is you might need to get screened for. In this case, advocating specifically for um, colon cancer screening. And as we've talked earlier, they have just revised those guidelines from 50 to 45. So if you're around that age, go get screened. Yeah, please. It's, it's a, such an important influence. And we should, because remember, Kelly's story, there were no clues. There was no indication, just living her life. And then a routine colonoscopy. And thank goodness that you did it. Yep, that's right. right. Saved your life. Yep, it did. Life. Mm-hmm. And for that, we are incredibly grateful. Kelly, um, before we go, we've got like one minute. Real quick, how do we get the book again? Let's talk about that. Thank you for asking. It's available on Amazon. So um, if you just go to Amazon and put in either my name or A Way Back to Health, it should pop up. It's also available on um, lots of other online booksellers. So if you just Google the the name of the book, um, all of those will pop up. And the website is awaybacktohealth.com if you're interested in learning more. Thank you so much. Folks, please go get that screening. 